Well, good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I'm very happy to be able to greet you on this midweek Bible study, our morning glory study. And I've missed coming before you one-on-one because of uh, recent travels and also because of some internet technicalities. But nevertheless, I'm back ready to bring a message to you today that will bless your heart and fill you full of faith in God's Word. Praise God. We're going to be today in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, if you want to take your Holy Bible and turn back over there and meet me. And so uh, we'll start in just a moment. And I want to say I apologize that on the Sunday message, I was not able to get that out to you in a timely way. We had some uh, technical difficulties on the road, plus before I had even left, uh, on my travels, I had already pre-recorded for you a message that I preached that was one hour and 29 minutes. And it was, it was recorded and stopped. And, uh, and when we went back to um, get the message ready, uh, it was not there. It somehow got lost in cyberspace and uh, it was gone. So I thought, well, that's okay. We'll just um, we'll get a fresh message on the road while I'm traveling. But then we ran into all kinds of problems with... Uh, uh, internet and uh, routers that don't work and all kinds of other little things. My friends, we persevere and overcome. Thank you for your patience. Uh, By the way, the Sunday message is up on YouTube, and I know many of you are watching on YouTube. You'll see it there, but we also are on uh, different platforms, live stream, Facebook. So if you haven't caught the Sunday message, jump over to YouTube, and it's there waiting for you, as well as the Sunday night message, which is coming up as well. And, of course, this one right here. Praise God. So today we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good. In the morning, noon, and at night, you're always so good to us. We thank you for your blessings, your goodness. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let your word be like a burning menorah, illuminating that we see, those things we see with spiritual light and understanding. Thank you, Father. Let Let the light come on. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of your Spirit and your Word being a living Word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1. And this is an interesting book. A lot of angelic activity in the book of Zechariah. And um, something very interesting, if you come uh, with me and my wife on our future tour to Israel, and we're going to probably go in May of 2019, we're working on things along that line. Uh, but even if you're making it on your own sometime and you're in, you're in Jerusalem, uh, you can actually go see the cave of the prophet Zechariah. Not only is Zechariah in that cave, it's a little bitty cave that many people miss, but also buried in that cave is uh, the prophet Zechariah, the prophet Haggai, and the prophet Malachi who wrote the last book in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, it came... It's quite a surprise to me one day when walking down from the Mount of Olives, uh, going down, uh, you know, this little cobblestone road, and uh, there's a wall, and uh, there's a little wooden door, and uh, you wouldn't think there's anything behind that door of any importance. Well, it's behind that little door where uh, these three very important prophets are actually buried, and you can go down and uh, see their tombs, uh, go into the cave, uh, the guardian of the place will give you a little candle. It only costs about five shekels, and you can have a very uh, real encounter uh, there with uh, real prophets 
that wrote the real book. These are real men that really existed, praise God. And that holy site uh, of their burial has been ven uh, venerated for many, many generations. Uh, it's interesting because Zechariah and Haggai were both ministering prophetically at the same time. Zechariah, more pastoral. Haggai, more like really getting on to them. Come on, you know, you've got to stop, you know, focusing on yourself and get your focus back on the work of the Lord that has lain dormant. You know, for 11 or 12 years, the, the ball was fumbled. So, two prophets, two different styles of ministry. And Haggai, mainly prophetically speaking to the whole remnant nation, whereas with Zechariah, he's primarily speaking to the leaders there in Jerusalem, uh, dealing with Zerubbabel, who is the governor of Judah, excuse me, the governor of Jerusalem, of course, which would be in the area of Judah. But he's pretty much the primary guy at this time. He's the main He's the main actor in the play. That's Zerubbabel. He's the one that's relaying the foundation and really pushing through, despite many obstacles, to get this temple, the second temple, rebuilt. You also have Joshua, who is the high priest. Not, this is not the Joshua, you know, years earlier with Moses. Uh, this is a different Joshua, Yeshua. And uh, he is the high priest at that time. And so, uh, Zechariah strongly ministering to them prophetically. And we need prophetic ministry. Uh, don't ever despise prophetic ministry. Paul said don't despise prophecy. That would indicate that uh, to those he was writing to, they had slipped into a habit of maybe despising prophecy. Maybe there were those who uh, were overboard with prophecy. I think if you're in prophetic circles, you've seen that. Where some people, they are, they're prophesying everything under the sun. I, I used to know this one guy, every time I met him, he had another word for me. Not, not just one prophetic word, but two or three or four. And, you know, it's just a lot of it, 99% uh, of it was just mumbo-jumbo. But there's still the real, okay? Just because a lot of people give these, uh, I would call them soulish words. They're not really from God. They're just, uh, it's just people's soulish activity. You, you don't, you don't want to despise prophecy because prophecy from the Lord spoken through any believer that's in that flow of that, of that prophetic anointing. I tell you what, it will, it will break off discouragement, it will lift you up, and it'll get you back to work again. And that's really what this uh, heavyweight prophet is doing here. He's building up God's servants. And those who are in pretty much a state of fatigue and tiredness, He's getting them to complete the job. And uh, as you study in, in uh, biblical history, the job did get completed. Now, we're dealing here with the exiles who came out of Babylonian captivity. The temple that we knew was Solomon's temple, the, the temple he built, is completely destroyed, uh, devastated. Uh, of course, many years before that, you had the tabernacle of David. Before that, you had the tabernacle or the tent that Moses built. Uh, in the wilderness. So, uh, you know, let's fast forward back up to Zerubbabel. Uh, he's coming back out of exile. You've got to give these guys a, you know, a pat on the back. Not everybody came out of captivity. A lot of, a lot of the Jews that were hauled off the Babylonian captivity stayed there, even with an opportunity and, and financial backing and uh, uh, a free journey back. They didn't, go, they didn't go. So, those that did come, these are the best of the best, the cream of the crop. But they're having a hard time completing their primary assignment, 
which is to get this temple rebuilt. So in comes the prophet, giving the prophetic words. You also have angelic visitations going on. And I just want to say today that God's going to send you prophets. God's going to give you angelic support. And you're going to get accomplished all that God has called you to do. So if you've been discouraged, it's time to get back up. Put your hands on the plow. Uh, get back to work because it's going to get done. And uh, the, the project is of the Lord. The assignment is from heaven. And God's going to help you to get, get it completed. Praise God. Now, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. I don't know if you've ever been woken up by an angel before. Obviously, Zechariah has. Uh, the prophet Elijah had the same experience. Other prophets had the same experience. I've had this happen uh, to me before at times. Uh, there have been times that I've gone overseas to minister. And uh, in some countries, like if a visa is required and other things, uh, uh, my wife would not always come. So I, sometimes I would make certain trips by myself internationally. Uh, and there would be times when the ministerial workload was very heavy. Uh, high demand of preaching, great expenditure of anointing, a lot of fatigue, uh, different uh, climates, different, you know, time zones. You're going through all of these things physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so it can be very, I guess we could say, depleting. So, you know, when you sleep, you sleep really well. Well, I've had times where uh, an angel of the Lord has come and has woken me up early in the morning and said, Get up, Stephen. It's time to pray. You have to pray. And so it was because of that I would be able to get up and pray. Uh, even though my body was tired, the Lord would even strengthen my body, but I could receive the anointing and the wisdom that I needed for an upcoming very busy day. I tell you what, a lot of this has to do with the grace of God, leaning on the grace of God. When we can't, when we've done all we can, He can. Praise God. And when our, when our can ends and now we can't, that's when God comes in. Praise the Lord. When we do all we can in the natural, that's when you get the touch of the super upon your natural, and now you have valid, genuine experiences with God in the supernatural. So he's wakened out of his sleep by an angel. Verse 2, And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps and seven pipes to the seven lamps. We're not going to really get into the technicalities of the sevens here, and even in the Hebrew, uh, some of the sevens actually can be better translated as even 49, and this could get kind of technical, but uh, it's basically prophetic symbolism. Here we have the, the menorah made out of solid gold. By the way, if you visit Jerusalem, uh, you can uh, go over to a certain area very close to where the Temple Institute is at. Uh, there in Jerusalem, and you go to this one site, you can look over and, uh, and see the Western Wall, but they have a life-size replica of the menorah. Now, the Jewish rabbis, the Orthodox ones, believe it is a very good replica, uh, you know, the, the same size as the one that used to be in the temple, uh, the temple that Herod built uh, when Jesus was there, uh, and so forth. But, you know, it's got over a million dollars, a uh, million U.S. dollars of gold. Is it solid gold? No, that would probably cost, oh, who knows how much money, maybe $200 million. But it does have a lot of gold in it. I think a million dollars is uh, pretty pricey. And it's encased in glass, and you can take a look at it and see it. It's very nice. 
But uh, here, the prophet sees the pure, solid gold menorah. Now, there is a flow from the menorah to the olive trees, and the olive trees continuing with the flow into the receptacles or the basins. So, what we have here is oil for anointing, but remember that oil being a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the oil is not always just for anointing, although that is a great aspect of it, but it is also for dedication. So when that oil touches you, it, it produces the anointing. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But along with that comes also um, strong identification with anointing of dedication. The Holy Spirit coming on you, the oil of dedication. And this is something really that the leaders there in Jerusalem need it. They need it to stay dedicated. They have a lot to overcome. You know, when you go to an ancient city and it has been destroyed, and you go to your temple and it's been torn down, and you know, Solomon built an amazing temple. Well, it's all in rubble and everything's collapsed and you got a big mess. You know, the thing is back then they didn't have bulldozers. They didn't have these big excavators where you could start clearing this up. Even, even in World War II, you know, where they had some excavating equipment, you know, it just took, uh, you know, years for uh, all the junk of the blown up buildings and the rubble and the stone and the brick, all that to get moved. But here, you know, go, go back thousands of years, this has to all be done by hand by a little group of exiles who've come back to face the impossible odds of rebuilding the temple. Wow, very, very exciting. But you know, before you rebuild, you got to get rid of all this rubble, all this rubbish. Well, you know, you can't even see the foundation of the former temple. So it's a real, it's a real task at hand. And so there is a oil of dedication that gives you a sticking to it to get it done when it seems like, oh, this is going to take forever. You know, that's, that's okay. God's going to help, and it is going to get done, so we need to be touched with the oil of dedication. And I believe that as you listen to this message today, and you understand what, what Zerubbabel went through as the leader, the, the governor of Jerusalem, He's, you know, he's trying to encourage these guys, but he's looking at this monumental task also, and he's just like, wow, this is amazing. We've got so much work to do, and we have a broken sacrificial system. I mean, everything's out of order, but you know what? You just have to start, and you've got to go to work, and not only start and make progress, you've got to keep on it until you get it done, okay? So let's read further. Uh, verse 3. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. Verse 4, So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me. We'll get to the answer really at the end of the chapter. But this is something that he wants to say. This is what he wants to convey. This is why Zerubbabel, uh, is, excuse me, Zechariah the prophet is having a vision of the golden lampstand and the oil of dedication. 
verse 6, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I pray that this be a word to you today, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, one translation says, not by an army, nor by power. That's what we need. We need an army of volunteers. We need to call up the Army Corps of Engineers. We need to get them in here with a bulldozer, and we need to call Caterpillar Diesel Company and get a D9 dozer in here, and we need to push this stuff. No, no, no. You need the Holy Spirit anointing. Praise God. You need to get on fire for the vision and get back out there. Praise God. Now, Haggai is really speaking in a sense like, woe unto you. But Zechariah is more like, come on, we can do this. Praise God. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. If we just get back out there, lift another stone, sweep some more, Take another wheelbarrow full out of, the, out of the city and dump it over there in the ravine. Come on, we're going to get this foundation cleared off. We're going to get the foundation shored up. We're going to get this temple up. Praise God. Hallelujah. So not by might nor by power. Yes, do all you can. And, you know, use your wisdom. Uh, make good plans. But you know what? Keep that freshness of the Holy Spirit. Don't get so busy that you stop praying. Woo, hallelujah. I think pastors especially have to be careful during building projects, um, you know, expanding the sanctuary, adding on new additions, or maybe, a, a, you know, a brand new facility altogether. These things can be very distracting. They have a tendency to want to pull uh, into your devotional time and uh, because you're looking for all the extra time that you can get to get all of this done because you've got a lot on your plate. But look, don't get away from your devotional life because that's where the oil keeps flowing. And then you get the wisdom, and then you can work smarter, not necessarily harder. You work wiser, and God gives you ideas, God sends the right help, and everything keeps moving forward. Yes, we need to do all that we can, but step back, pray, praise the Lord. Glory to God. You don't want to get so worked up that you're in a frenzy, running around like the proverbial chicken with his head cut off. No, stop, calm down, thank be at peace, stay on task, but also stay in prayer every single day. We're going to get it done. And not only that, let's get it done with a joyful heart. Let's enjoy the work because God has assigned us to do this. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Spirit will help. And that was the word that the Lord spoke to uh, the leaders through the prophet Zechariah. Now verse 7, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Now, the great mountain represented the, the staggering workload set before them, a mountain of debris, of crumbled and broken stones and burnt out stones. And can we use this one or do we have to throw this one out? And all that they're dealing with, the discouragement, uh, the, the, you know, the, the struggle even of getting a established currency going again, all of these things, when you're going from nothing to trying to get something going, let's, let's get uh, the sewer system back up. Let's get the wells dug out. Let's, we have to have some water while we're working out here. All of these things that seem like a mountain. And you may sense 
in your heart that you have a mountain that would be against you. But I want you to know that by the Holy Spirit, that thing is going to become a flat level plane. I'm telling you, it's going to go away. You may have debt that would look like a mountain before you, but by the Spirit of the Lord, it is going to be absolutely, hear me today, absolutely, completely removed out of your life. Oh, yes, it is. Praise God. I'm happy. I know in my spirit it's going to happen for you. Praise the Lord. You may have a, a sickness or a disease that you have been diagnosed with, and it's a mountainous situation. But you know what? That thing is going to get leveled flat, flatter than a pancake, stomp flat, and it's not going to be an issue. No, it's going to leave your life. Before Zerubbabel, that's you, you shall become a plane. That, that horrible mountain, it's going to become a plain, a flat level place. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, what is the capstone? Some translations say the top stone. That is the final block that is the final stone that you put in the building when you complete the whole thing. If, you, if it's the pyramid, it's the very top, you know, one. It's the cap on the top of the pyramid. Sometimes called the capstone, other times called uh, top stone. But either way, it's that last piece that gets slid and mortared in the place, and it's done. And it says, and he shall bring forth the capstone, the top stone. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to get your, prog uh, your projects completed. You're going to get this assignments fulfilled. The promises of God are going to be manifested in your life, and you're going to be shouting, praise God. He shall bring forth the capstones, uh, excuse me, the capstone with shouts. So you need to let the shout come out of you. Pastor Stephen, what should I shout early on Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning? How about this? Shout grace, grace to it, to the capstone. Well, if, if you look at the context of what's being said here, theologians agree that you're shouting grace, grace to the mountain. The, the subject that's getting shouted to is not so much the completion uh, of, of that capstone. The, what we're shouting towards is the mountain. And as you shout grace, grace to the mountain, God turns the mountain into a level plain. Woo! Hallelujah! And you're out. You're free. The impassable situation, oh, you can walk over, because you, you, it's not a mountain now, it's just a flat plain. You can walk anywhere on that. Praise God. What does that mean? Freedom, liberty. So today, I just want you to know, you're going to complete this. You're going to make it all the way to the end, and it's the touch of the oil of dedication that says, get up, go try again. Get up, make another call. Get up, call them back. Get up, send an email. Get up, let's check on it, send the text. Get up, let's go try another door. That door closed, praise God, that's all right. God's got something better. Let's go over here, try over here. And just keep shouting grace, grace. Shout grace, grace over the debt. Shout grace, grace. I'm talking about the grace of God uh, over any mountainous situation. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor from the sense that with grace, the good things that you don't deserve you get them anyhow because of who you are in Christ. Mercy is a little bit different. Mercy is the penalty or the punishment that you do deserve, you don't get because God has mercy on you. But with grace, it's something that you do get that's good, although you don't deserve it. Praise God. So you may not think that you deserve grace, but look, you are even saved by grace through faith. 
and not of works, lest we should boast. And if there were any works involved, we would boast. Well, Pastor Stephen, I used my, I used my faith, so therefore I had something to do with it. Yes, but it says even, even the grace is a gift, and even the faith that we exercise to make the choice to select eternal life, the Bible says that even the faith that we had, that's also a gift from God. So we can't boast. We, we, can, be, we can be happy that we had enough, you know, whatever that is inside of a person that, gives, that, that makes them, you know, choose. We can be thrilled that we chose life and we received eternal life. Sure, it sure beats eternal damnation, praise God. It sure beats going to hell forever. So we chose eternal life and we can rejoice that God gave grace that we can be saved, born again, washed with the blood of Jesus, and on our way to heaven. And that, my friends, is where, where we are going. But let me say this, before you ever get to heaven, on this earth, you are still going to accomplish the things that God has called you to do. You're here, you're here for a purpose. You're here to worship the Lord. You are here to accomplish certain specific things that only you can do. Praise God. There are things that we do together corporately as a body of believers, and there are also individual assignments, mandates that God has given to you. And just like Zerubbabel, you're going to put your hand to it, and you are going to get it done. Look at verse 9. Well, verse 8. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel, those are your hands, have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? Well, that was also another element where some of the old timers were discouraging the younger generation. Why? They had former memory before they went into captivity of what Solomon's temple looked like. And that, that was a whopper. I mean, th th this was built when how can we say when money was not an object, when you have unlimited resources, and you know, it's, it's literally up to the imagination of you and your architects what you want to do. And they built it along that line with, with gold and uh, design that was intricate and beauty that was phenomenal. So the old timers looked at it. So what had happened is that when Zerubbabel gets the foundation cleared, uh, you know, and cleans everything up, gets all the stones the, strong and in order the way they should be. Now the foundation is ready. Well, what happened is the, the, one, the, the ones that are younger that are seeing this for the first time, because this is all new to them. They've been in captivity for years, and so, hey, this, this is like an exciting new thing that God's doing. They're exciting. They're, they're, they're rejoicing. But the older generation is weeping. They're going, oh, you know, this, this is no big deal. This is, this is just peanuts compared to the way it used to be. But God said, do not despise the day of small things. And so it's very important to know that in the eyes of God, this temple that Zerubbabel is building, this is very important in God's eyes. This is not some small thing. This is not like this new era is insignificant compared to what we had previously. No, God's in the now. And God said, don't despise this. This is very important. And, and where you're at right now, you're going to see God touch you and, and greatly uh, accelerate you forward. But right now, don't you dare despise where God has you. You rejoice in the Lord. This is very vital in your development at the foundational level. Don't you dare try to skip over that. Think that's not important. That is key and critical. Why? Everything, gets, everything that's built up is going to be built on top of that foundation. And it's important. God's doing something new. And even later, 
decades later when Herod came and he actually used that same foundation to build what we know as Herod's temple, which was the temple that Jesus actually came into. So, hey, everything's important. It's linked together. It's intricate. It's, 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 it's essential. And God said, don't you dare look down on this. Don't despise the day of small things because the small is going to become great very, very soon. And you know, something, else, something also that's interesting is that with Zechariah and Haggai and Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, you know, they're living in the now. They're not going to be there when the Messiah does come. That's later. Uh, but you know, they're not responsible for what's going to happen later. All they're responsible for doing is get that temple up, okay? That's it. So you stay on task, do what God has called you to do, and that's all you have to do. And if you'll do that, and complete that with that oil of dedication, you will get the highest reward possible. That's all you have to do is do what God told you to do and complete that. Glory to God. And you will be uh, hearing the words of the Lord Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. Well, it goes on to talk in the final verse. Let me read the final verse to you, verse 14. So he said, uh, of course, you know, the prophet said, uh, who are the two witnesses? or excuse me, the two anointed ones. So he said, these are the two anointed ones, or uh, in the Hebrew, the two sons of oil, who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. I really believe that the two anointed ones, when you look at the symbolism in this chapter and th used throughout the book of Zechariah, I believe it's, it's the, the nation of Israel and the church as the two, the, the two anointed ones that represent Christ to the earth that represent the power of the Holy Spirit to the earth. And if you didn't have Israel, and if you didn't have the church in the earth today, what would you have? Nothing but uh, a humanity lost in sin. But through uh, the law, the old covenant, merging into the new covenant, doing away now with the old because it's complete, coming into the new, we now have the full witness expressed through the church, expressed through Israel as Israel shall be redeemed and restored and uh, Jewish people are being saved all the time coming into Christ and receiving eternal life. Praise God. And so that is the, the two anointed ones that speak to the whole world. Praise God. Just, just wait till revival hits Israel. Wow. You're gonna, you talk about two, two anointed ones. Woo! Hallelujah. It's, it's going to be amazing. Well, my friends, let that oil of dedication touch you today. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody watching that what you've called them to do, they get their hands back on the project. They go back to work. Not only uh, just kind of like maybe methodically going back, but no, going back with zeal, strength, and knowing, supernaturally knowing, that what they are doing is critical in the great plan of redemption for humanity. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are linked together, not just brother and brother and sister and sister, uh, spiritually in Christ, but also generation to generation. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We will not drop the ball. We're going to get the temple built. We're going to get, in essence, our, our task accomplished. Father, we praise you. Let your oil of dedication touch your people today in the name of Jesus with supernatural dedication to your calling, and to your assignments. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. 
Let's take some Holy Communion together uh, this morning. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Praise God. Uh, please keep in mind also that in about two days, I'm going to be releasing the latest partner ministry newsletter with updates about the ministry, good things going on in the ministry, and I, I want you to be aware of all the wonderful things God is doing so that He will receive all the glory. Praise God. So, if you have not yet signed up, please do so. Please visit my ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Uh, there, there on the homepage, there's a little area that you can put your email address in and click Submit. And that way, it automatically enrolls you to uh, receive the free newsletter that goes out regularly. Praise God. Okay? All right, let's take our communion today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, br the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. This is holy. This is now the flesh and the blood of our Redeemer, Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Father, that just back uh, in the old times of, under the old covenant, the, uh, as we were studying today was a time, as we see in Zechariah 3, about Joshua, the high priest. But Lord, like so many of the high priests under the old covenant system, they would live their lives and die. Then another high priest has to come, and then another one, and another one. So Father, we thank you that Jesus is our eternal high priest. And no more, uh, no more animal sacrifices are needed for us, because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, and He is our high priest. We thank you, Father, so that as now we receive His flesh, His body. We thank you, O God, for the oil of dedication touching us. And we thank you for your power to stay on assignment with joy, with joy and supernatural efficiency. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we receive it now, we thank you for cleansing and washing away of all of our sins and a clean conscience before you. We thank you, Father God, for full access in the righteousness and in the holiness. Father, let, let the fruits of righteousness be uh, developed in our lives and let the light, the power of your Spirit, the brilliant oil of your Spirit Illuminate our understanding, our minds, the way we see things, the way we think, and let us be transformed more and more into the image of our Savior, Jesus, as we drink and receive His holy blood now. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Here's a little bonus for you today. If you ever would like to do some fasting, and of course, we should all do some fasting from time to time. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. That was a very clear directive, just as clear as when He said, when you pray and when you give. Then I, uh, I want to share a few things with you that I use uh, during times when I have uh, days set aside for fasting, consecration, and things like that. Now, this will not take the place of food, but oh, woo, it tastes so good. Hallelujah. You might not even miss your cheeseburgers and pizza or your Chinese noodles for a while. Hallelujah. Look at this. I just got some of this today at the Whole Foods grocery store. This is the Kadeem grape juice. Let me get this over here for you to see. Organic. No preservatives. 
So when you open it up, you need to drink it within a few days because it's super fresh, praise God. And uh, oh, is this stuff good. I love this. I like different types of grape juice, but uh, I think the Kadeem grape juice is some of the best tasting grape juice uh, in the world. And it's kosher. Uh, it's uh, certified by the uh, Orthodox rabbis. And is it ever delicious? Look, drink one of these a day when you fast. Woo, you'll be the Energizer Bunny. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the, that's the number one reason why most Christians break their fast prematurely is because they're not, they don't know why, but they're, they run out of energy and they get very fatigued. If you get fatigued also emotionally, you can have a drop where you just you want to quit. It's because they're not getting enough liquid in their system. So when you're fasting, you need to drink. And I'm talking drink a lot of liquid, praise God. So that's why I want to give you a few examples. I love the Kadeem grape juice. Here's another one. Ooh, seriously, seriously good stuff. This is the Lakewood Organic Pure Concord Grape Juice. The, not, none of these are from concentrate. This is pure. So it's, this is not like taking, you know, like an old concentrate paste, mixing it with water and reconstituting it. No, this stuff is super duper fresh, my friends. And you know what? This is just like you open the lid on these types of things. It's like you're out on the vineyard and it just got squeezed and put into a cup without the pulp, praise God. But I uh, just want to share some things with you that I use. Um, fabulous. Does it, uh, does it replace a cheeseburger? No, of course not. Uh, but I tell you what, it'll make your fasting go, go uh, a lot smoother. And that's the good thing about fasting with liquids, uh, particularly fruit juice or vegetable juice, is that you also flush and cleanse your body. Uh, with water, water is super. Water is like the um, uh, you know, like the Mount Everest type experience, going to the spiritual heights. But uh, when you have to work, and you've you got to work eight hours a day, uh, and the water can't take you through, and most people cannot uh, go on water only because you don't have any energy, well then you can use options like I just showed you. Uh, but those things are also fun. It's fun to experiment with what works for you, what makes you happy. I'm just showing you a little something that makes me really, really happy. And uh, those are the things, some of the things I use. And I think if you uh, give it a sample, you might like it also. Praise God. I've got uh, some ministry partners. I know you're fasting right now, believing God for miracles and breakthroughs. I'm praying for you and with you. I believe God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Praise God. I also want to say thank you as I've been on the road this past Sunday traveling. Uh, I want to say thank you for continuing to honor the Lord by sending in your tithes and offerings. Even sometimes when I have to go out and minister, thank you that as I continue to bring these messages to you and feed you spiritually, that uh, you receive that as a, as a spiritual meal and you bring your tithes into the storehouse of God. Thank you for honoring the Lord. And I know that as you do that, you are working covenant principles you position yourself on a stable platform of financial prosperity, and you can never be shaken financially. And you are going up, up, up with the Lord. Praise God. So thank you uh, for sending your tithes and offerings in. And of course, if you'd like to mail them in, you can always send them to our P.O. Box, Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, or zip code 28117. And many of you, as you prefer to go online and bring them in online, you can do so as well. StephenBrooks.org. There is the link on the homepage, Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. If you have not yet done so, please go and click on that. Send them in. 
that way as the scripture says even the old King James Version that there might be meat in my house praise God well as you and I know we can't pay the bills with meat <laughs> not even with fresh steak praise God the, the, um, the, they won't accept that but thank you for honoring the Lord by bringing your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God alright so me and my dear wife Kelly we love you so much our entire ministry team loves you and I look forward to seeing you back again real soon. Till then, stay blessed and stay anointed with the oil of dedication. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.